It's Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? It's called a centenarian. Ever heard of it? It's not really a word that was like in my vocabulary. No, same. It sounded familiar. Though, I was like, I feel like I've heard it before, but I didn't know exactly what it was. We probably didn't know because we live in America and people don't live to 100. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's actually kind of quite sad. Because we could. <laughs> we definitely could. So we watched the Netflix documentary called Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. The guy who did this exploring and this research is Dan Butner. Butner, Butner, yeah. He's like a national and geograph. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's done a lot of research and traveled a lot. <laughs> my my favorite part of him throughout the entire documentary and his travels was that like the language barrier. So he would just be sitting around and everyone would be talking and he'd just be like smiling and nodding and laughing along. I'm like, you have no idea what they're saying. Smiling ear to ear. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so precious. Basically, it was just talking about how U.S life expectancy is like dropping for like the first time in I don't know history Mm -hmm. like we're going the wrong direction (sighs) and worldwide there are some places that just have these high concentrations of people that live to be 100 or they map them out and put these like blue dots on the map for any time there was like high instances of people living over 100 and then like you'd start to see areas where there was just like Lots of blue dots all kind of blending together. And he called that the blue zone. And those were areas that he wanted to try to visit and extract information on what they're doing right. How are they getting these people to live to 100 years old? Mm -hmm. And how to possibly see if America can do the same. Yeah, we can. (laughs) I I wanted to be like, sir. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah. Like, do the traveling and, you know, talk to all the people. Like, do it, sir. I commend you. But, like, (laughs) it can't happen here in America. I'm sorry. (laughs) It could. It could. But we have a lot of greedy politicians, greedy companies that thrive off of people that are sick, unfortunately. Wow, we're really hating on (laughs) the United States right now. (laughs) All right. So the places he visited... He found five places that he called the Blue Zones. One of them is in the USA. So let's not... I know. Shocker. 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 He was, I was like, shocked. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I was like, it's going to... It's going to... He said, there's one in the States? Like, what? I was like, is he sure about that? So the first one was Okinawa, Japan. Yep. Sardinia, Italy. Loma Linda, California. Ikaria, Greece, and Nicoya, Costa Rica. So that's where he went. And honestly, like, I was like three minutes into this documentary before I was like bawling my eyes out. (laughs) Didn't I like tell you? I was like, because I had started it before because, you know, I don't have a family. I don't have kids and husbands to to take care of. So I had started and I messaged you. I'm like, this is eye opening. And it's also tragic at the same time because as I'm watching this, I don't think my parents are going to live to a hundred. <laughs> no, 
like you you saw the people right like you saw these people working out quote some of them quote unquote working out and like garden like you saw them and you see how fit they are (laughs) at their age they're like more fit than we are (laughs) oh no doubt no doubt the thing that was so striking to me was the similarity to our culture portuguese culture like where we came from not the americanized version like the yeah village life the azorian culture and that's why like i make the comment about like our parents are not gonna live to 100 like of course i i i hope they do but it's because they remove themselves from their culture in the azores to come here for a quote unquote better life but i think the better life was out in the azores <laughs> they shortened their life expectancy by coming here so <laughs> okay so they went through all these places and it's, I think, a four episode series and they take you through place by place hmm. and they just kind of collect all the data of what these people are doing. And then at the end, they kind of boil it down into some a couple of cornerstones, like the similarities that they pulled out of all these locations. And so instead of going by location, I think we're just going to start from the end, start from the four cornerstones and just kind of talk about the things that were eye opening to us from this documentary. The very obvious thing is what are they eating Mm. what are they eating that's different than what we're eating right let's just say a lot (laughs) it's a lot (laughs) i mean for starters this is like the low-hanging fruit here like there's not a processed food in sight (laughs) no like i think it like in okinawa had showed like some fast food places but that was like i think in like the main city city area where i guess it's expected but like if you go to like the mountainside, like they don't have any of that, obviously. So you see some of it, but not infiltrated like we are. Like we have a Dunkin' and a McDonald's every like every other corner. Well, so even if even if these places had access to that stuff, they're not eating it. Right. Yeah. They're not eating it. Yeah. <laughs> like, period. Even in the US, the, the people in the US in Loma Linda, California, they have access to it. They're in the US or in the middle of California. Yeah. But they're they ain't touching the, it. They're just not eating that. Yeah. Plant-based was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Very much. They don't have to be total vegetarian, but very heavy plant diets in all of the places that they went. They would eat meat, but like much less meat than we would eat here. Like especially the people in the Loma Linda area, a lot of them were either like vegetarian or vegans. It was like a low percentage of them that like ate me. And the Loma Linda people, just for reference, they're like Seventh Day Adventist community. Mm -hmm. So they were they're eating by the Bible, what the Bible tells them to eat. And apparently the Bible said, let there be trees or something, (laughs) something to that effect. (laughs) Um, It's probably the one part the Bible got right. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Joking. don't want to offend anyone (laughs) so it was it was just interesting because here we have this like we rely so much on getting our protein from our meats and apparently that's not like all that good for you to consume like a ton of meat like the only meat i really will touch is chicken and an occasional steak like portuguese steak so i almost could go away from eating meat but i don't know (laughs) Right before I hopped on to record this podcast episode, 
I went right to my pantry and I pulled out some dry beans and I started soaking some dry beans to eat tonight because I was like, I'm I'm gonna add another another year to my life by this one meal tonight. Our cooking has beans, but it's not as much. You know, we do like a fish down, but they throw in a little bit of the meat. They throw in like little sharice in there, though, like cut up sharice. We're not, we don't have a whole lot of beans. Well, we have favish, but, you know, we don't have like, we never have like that side dish of beans. Yeah, a little different than like, you know, a Spanish culture maybe or yeah. Mexican or something like that where they might be eating beans a little more frequently than us. But even the, Italians in Sardinia, they were making minestrone soup every day. So they were super Venus so every day. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, they eat Venus the Milo soup. Yes. <laughs> Which we mentioned this on our other episode. And then as soon as that episode aired, Venus to Milo like came out with some news that they were reopening. They've been closed for quite some time. Yes. <laughs> And it's like gonna be the same owner, like well, not like the owner's son or something. It's like in the same family at least. Oh my god, I was gonna be so happy. <laughs> and I actually drove by it this past weekend, like because they're like remodeling everything, like revamping it, nice. and it actually really looked nice. I was like, oh shit, maybe Kelly will get married. <laughs> <laughs> we know Kelly's never gonna get married, but anyway. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. They they just do a lot of plant-based stuff like things that grow in the ground basically just Mm -hmm. it it didn't matter what it was it could be a carb it didn't matter that was the thing it was like it didn't need to be low carb you could have potatoes and you could have pastas that you were making but just pairing it with all of this green leafy nutrient dense vegetables was the key to success apparently and just even like the little research that the Seventh Day Adventists even did for themselves and their community, like when they say like a handful of nuts adds a three as to your life, like what? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just clarify eating a handful of nuts regularly? Yes, yeah, sorry, <laughs> every day <laughs> you eat one handful of nuts. Yes, you're not getting through yet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, geez. Girl's got to eat some nuts. Like, I don't know. Like, I was just like, damn. Okay. Right. And then even the Costa Rican folks, I think, didn't they call it the three sisters of agriculture? Beans, squash, and corn. Mm-hmm. And they've been eating it for around like 6,000 years. I'm like, crap, they're doing something right. It's impressive. I'm like, damn. So, I don't know. I guess I just need to not buy things that come in a box and just only buy actual food that grew from the ground whole foods that grew from the ground (laughs) period that's it i saw (laughs) i was like walking with my mom yesterday and i get just kept thinking about this and i'm like mom you got to make your garden bigger next year (laughs) like even for like the whole yard should just be your garden at this point (laughs) literally like my dad oh my god my dad was talking about I don't know where he saw this or where he got this idea, but he was referring to Asian people. I don't know if it's the Chinese culture or Japanese. I don't know who he was specifically talking about, Mm. about how they will plant and grow things anywhere. Like if you have a walkway of like bricks and you know how like grass and weeds like start to come up through there, they'll just like plant 
like vegetables in there. Like they will plant herbs like and you'll just have herbs coming up through your bricks like they do not waste a single square inch of space that could be used for planting something i'm all for that i appreciate that (laughs) why not like i know it's tough for us because we live obviously in new england the east coast so we have bad weather cold weather for like most of the year and what do we have like two three months of summer I guess spring, so give or take like four or five months. So you know you can't grow all year long. Like I wish there was a way we could. Like I don't know, couldn't we just grow some stuff indoors? Like I just gotta be a way if people can grow weed inside their houses. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. Like it why done. can't we grow? <laughs> so I know one of the other things in Greece was herbal teas. Was that in Greece? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yes. So the Greek island was doing herbal teas every day with raw honey. And my husband does that every night. Does he? He does. He buys like the real like tea, not like a tea bag, but like the actual like herbs for the tea. And he does that every night and he does it with uh, raw honey. And actually, one, one of my friends just went to Greece like a few weeks ago on her honeymoon. She's Greek. And she brought me back a little jar. We couldn't tell if it was jam or honey at first because it was kind of thick and like yeah clumpy. So we thought it was a jam, but I think it's honey because there's a bee on it. Like we can't read the label because it's in Greek, but it, there's a bee on it and there's like a little honey stick. So I'm like, I think this uh, is oh honey. yeah, it's got to be honey because they're very big on like it goes from like honey goes from the bee. I like this line that they said: the honey goes from the bee to your table. <laughs> no, from the bee to your tea. <laughs> Oh, Mikamasa, it goes from the B to your T. <laughs> exactly. Thank and you. so the other thing uh, for our listeners who are not watching, but they're listening, I am also drinking an herbal tea with my Greek <laughs> honey from the B to the T right now as we record. <laughs> yeah, because they do no stuff to it. Like this, it's fresh, like it's raw, it's fresh. Like in America, we like, I guess, pasteurize us our honey. They say we boil it and kill all yeah. the, good, the good benefits of the honey. <sighs> so even if you're here in America trying to do these things and you go and you get your little honey off the shelf, like it ain't going to do the same thing. Yeah. You got, yeah. You got your Americanized useless honey. I got to be on a hunt for some rural honey because I like honey in my tea too. But they like use it as their sugar. So of course, like, yeah. You know what I mean? They're not adding like sugar to their tea. So like that's also another great benefit of it. It goes from B to your table. <laughs> what am I, palm to table over here? <laughs> the little old Greek woman that they were talking to about the herbal teas, they asked her what her favorite tea was. And she said wine. <laughs> <laughs> that was precious. <laughs> and that was another thing I think a lot of them had in common was just like a nice little glass of vino. Mm-hmm. The Japanese practice moderation so they like before every meal they have like a little chant that they say that means basically stop when you're 80 percent full yeah eight isn't out of that <laughs> eight out of ten when you're an eight out of ten stop eating is that wild because like america we don't we don't do that <laughs> well the problem too is if you go anywhere to eat and you're ordering food whether it's a restaurant or a a fast food place or a sandwich shop or whatever it is 
the portion size that they give you is silly. Yeah. They give you too much food. You cannot consume that. But like they're giving it to you as a plate and it should be you're like this should be one meal. This should be one sitting like I, it shouldn't be. Oh, this is three meals worth in your yeah. pasta dish that you're ordering from the restaurant. I'm just thinking like if you go to Subway, like you shouldn't have to get a foot log. <laughs> Six inch should suffice. <laughs> Honestly, one of the things that the documentary said at the very beginning, I think, was about how, you know, Americans should have a 2000 calorie diet. But in reality, we eat like, oh, my God, 3500 calories. or Yeah. More. And it was because like the amount of food that was available, like there was just an extra availability of food that they could technically produce more than 2000 calories of food per person per day. And like the government pushed people to overproduce after some shortage or whatever. And then the companies that are selling it, now they're doing everything in their power to sell this to us, even though we don't. Yeah. So they're like, we have this excess. So we need to like, oh, let's make everything a little bigger. Let's make our portion sizes bigger. bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Everything just gets larger and larger and larger because we have this excess of food. And now people are intaking twice the amount of calories that they need to just because we're trying to get rid of it and we're a greedy ass company. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Like just look at like I'm just thinking of McDonald's. Like we'll just look at their their smalls, their mediums, their larges. Like they're just massive. Like the large fries, the large like the those big large soda cups or if you go to the gas station i don't know there's like slushies that i always see like people walking with like those things are huge and then it's just like full of sugar it's the worst i hate yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you wonder why like there's like a diabetes problem an obese problem an overweight problem in the states and it's because it's like you're drinking like a jumbo sized cup of sugar <laughs> And so the the very next cornerstone to this whole thing, aside from what we're ingesting and consuming in our bodies, is how we move. Literally, like we are, as Americans, generally, like you're sitting in a car for extended periods of time. You're sitting at your desk yes. for extended periods of time. And then you come home and then you sit your ass on the couch. You're sitting all fucking day long. When he was talking about it in the thing, I was like, Oh, my God. Like, we're all guilty of it. (laughs) We're all guilty of it. And so because your day is just by nature of the way of your environment and how your life is, your day is mostly sitting. So then you have to build in these pockets if you want to, if you choose to, of exercise. But you're doing like a strenuous exercise activity for a short, very short duration of the day. And Mm -hmm. it's that's not the same. And you don't get the same benefit from that than doing natural constant low level movement which is what mm-hmm. all of these other uh countries and these people in these villages or whatever are doing so like they're out there and they're just constantly walking around they're gardening they're doing things by hand that we would otherwise do mechanically and that was like the big difference it's constant low level movement they're not doing anything strenuous like super no. strenuous they're doing just normal things but they have like a really good core strength because of it and and they have good balance and they're just the old lady walking straight uphill every day to church in Italy. It's it's incredible. I don't know if I could go to Italy and walk up those steep hills to go to church every day. <laughs> I'd be out of breath by the time I get to the top. The village in Italy 
in Sardinia, it was the steepest thing I've ever seen. And they said that the the steepness of that village was contributing to the longevity of the people that lived there. Mm-hmm. Because everything was just like a straight ass incline up. If you want to get anywhere, you have to walk up these freaking steep hills and they do walk slowly and they just do their thing. But they're walking them every day and they're climbing the stairs because these are like because they're on huge inclines. They're like three, four story houses. And they're climbing up like all these 50 stairs to get up to their little house. It's incredible. Like, I just I can't get over it because I'm like, we don't do this. <laughs> like, it's 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 sad. Like, even if you even just tr- to go to Lisbon, Lisbon mm-hmm. is like super hilly, obviously not as steep as this particular village, but super hilly. And I'm like, do I need to do some like training <laughs> before I go to Lisbon? <laughs> You're going to be out of breath. That's for sure. <laughs> like, I think I need to do some, like, prep, some, <laughs> some cardio prep before I go to Lisbon. But that's like that's all they did their whole life. Like, you know what I mean? They've. They lived in Italy their whole life. That's what they've had to do every day. If they want to get somewhere, they take their time, but they go up that hill and look at them. They're freaking 100 living in Italy, drinking their natural wine. <laughs> the Japanese, interestingly, don't even have a lot of furniture. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's actually like, I was like, oh, crap. And they don't. They have like a low, low table to the ground. Right. And they sit a lot on the floor. So like these old people are getting up from the ground 40 times a day <sighs> and they have incredible balance and core strength. And they they made a comparison to people in America sitting on a lazy boy recliner when you're that age <laughs> and basically having like no core, no balance. And then eventually they f- take a tumble and then they die. <laughs> like, yeah. Most of their death of the elderly is like Maybe not directly from the tumble. Sometimes it is. But then like the complications after Afterwards. taking the fall. Do you think these countries look at America <laughs> and like you guys are a joke? <laughs> we are a joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. This Watching this. I recommend you guys watching this documentary. It's just so upsetting. <laughs> it, it like it truly is. Like you just I loved seeing like the old people in it. And like hearing them talk and like seeing what they're doing. Like you see one cutting, like chopping his wood and stuff like that. And it's just, I'm like, oh my God. But it just really upsets me because I'm like, I don't think my parents could do all this. That's what I, it just, I kept going back to like my parents. I think they become too Americanized. I'm confusing which place this was, if this was in Greece or Italy, but they were talking about an old tale of how once elders became a burden for their families they would take the elderly people to the top of a hill and push them off of it they would oh. <laughs> literally murder their elders and then this one guy his his dad became elderly and he went to the top of the hill to quote unquote push him off because he was the burden to the family and that's what you had to do and he instead hid his dad kept him hidden in a house somewhere and then this man went on to become very successful and people were like oh my god like how are you so successful and he said oh jokes on you instead of pushing my elder off the mountain i kept him and i've been using all of his wisdom and knowledge for all these years and he's what made me successful 
mm-hmm. then it became like, oh my gosh, we need to cherish our elders. They have all this wisdom and now they need to be like the cornerstone or focal point of our communities. Right. It was, then- <laughs> it was a pretty graphic beginning, but at the end of it, it came around to family first and Gabriel elders. Which a lot of these countries do. <laughs> They're very big on community. They're very big on caring for your elders. I think it was in, it's in Singapore, I believe. They pay for you to either like live with your family or to like live nearby. I don't know what country it is, but they don't even have retirement homes. They basically said that in America, like once you go to or a home, you basically shave years off your life. I hate my mom always jokes because she always says she's going to go to a retirement home because she's like, oh, you you and your brother are going to be too busy to take care of us, blah, 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 right? So she's like, just, you know, put me in a separate room for your father so we're not in the same room fighting. And she's like, I know once I get to a retirement home, I'm just going to die. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. But I'm like, shit, she ain't wrong after watching this. It's so true. And so these people, literally, they just like rally around their elders and care for them. And that's why they live to be so old. They just have this huge social circle and sense of purpose, I think, was the fourth cornerstone for these people. So we have, you know, what you're eating, how you're moving, what community you've built around yourself, and then having a sense of purpose. And they say, like, once you lose your sense of purpose, you die. Yeah. And there was one story in particular about a man who had immigrated to America, lived here for his life, had his his whole family here, whatever, came down with lung cancer. And then the doctor was like, like, you have six, six months to live. He was like in his 60s. And he decided he could either use his last six months in America or he could go back to his homeland. So he went back to, I believe it was Greece. Mm-hmm. And went back to his village and basically went there to die, moved there with his wife, but then was just kind of living out the rest of his life joyously, drinking the wine, celebrating with his friends. He ended up going out and planting all these like grape vines, like a big vineyard kind of in his yard. And he was looking at it like, oh, I'm not going to be around to see these grapes grow, but my wife will see it and she'll think of me every time she's here. And then he lived like 35 more fucking years. Just by not being in America. <laughs> that was like so touching. And they're like, oh my God, that just, um, yeah, that just explains everything in a nutshell. <laughs> they asked him, like, oh, how, like something like, how did you do it? Or like, what, like, you know, what was your reason to live? Like, well, you know, and he said, like, oh, I, I guess I just forgot to die. <laughs> that was the Which best. That's incredible. Kept himself busy in Greece, probably. Breathing fresher air. So who knows? You just, like they always say, like changing your environment. They summed it up with this one statement in the documentary that basically said, Americans are victims to our environment. It's like, mic drop, boom, we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) We are. Oh. So at the end of this documentary, this guy takes everything he's learned and he wants to try it in the U.S. in like small communities and see what he can do to make these communities live longer. And he has this whole thing called the Blue Zone Project. We're going to talk about that in a separate episode with you guys. And we also went to his Blue Zone website and we did this little, I don't know, life expectancy quiz, quizarooski. 
mm-hmm. you guys can go there now and do it now but we will talk about our results in a future episode as well what our life expectancy is and actually we don't know the answer like i've done mine and kelly's done hers but we haven't shared it with each other yet so we're gonna see who's gonna live longer (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) in the meantime we've got another spooky october episode for you tomorrow Follow us on Instagram at underscore it's called culture and leave us a rating or review on our podcast pages. Thanks for listening, guys.